Amen. Today's tough question is hell for real. Many mothers surrounded by diapers, screaming children, annoying uh, teenagers, and difficult husbands would answer that question, yes, hell is for real. Now, on the balance of human history, mothers have made the world a little bit more like heaven rather than hell. So let's give thanks to God for the gift of mothering, which has been exercised and is exercised by many women, not all of whom are parents. On behalf of the rest of us, thank you. In today's passage from St. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples that I go to prepare a place for you. This passage is rendering in the King James Version captured the imagination of generations of people. My father's house, there are many mansions. And in Christian camp circles and youth ministry circles, this verse has become indirectly well known through the popular praise song, In My Father's House, with lyrics that go, A big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, a big, big table with lots and lots of food. But today's question lists not heavenly mansions for our consideration, not everlasting food, but today's question raises the topic of everlasting torment. Always a fun topic, right? Hence why many political campaigns and reality TV shows have been described as examples of everlasting torment. But seriously, hell is not a joke. Hell is a tough concept for Christians and non-Christians alike to consider. Especially when you and I try to square the idea of hell with God's love. Yet as Father E.L. Maskell said, a great Anglican theologian of the last century, hell is not incompatible with God's love. It is a direct consequence of it. This was Maskell's way of stressing the fact that the very God who loves you is the one who respects your decisions. God God and Christ love you, but he does not force his love on you. To force love is what we call assault. God allows you to decide. God encourages you, He responds to you, he woos you, he pursues you, he urges you, but he does not force you because he respects you. Hell is not a place, a state, or spiritual condition that God condemns people to. I will rewind that one. Hell is not a place, a state, or a condition that God condemns people to. It is a place, a state, a spiritual condition that people choose for themselves. One of the great mysteries of life and God is free will. If you and I didn't have free will, we would just be robots, living out our instincts, living out our programming. But part of what it means to be human is to be free to choose. And this includes the freedom to reject God and to reject who God created you to be. 
A theologian who has long been associated with Princeton puts it this way. Hell is simply wanting to be oneself apart from God's grace and in isolation from others. Hell is that self-chosen condition in which in opposition to God's love and the call to a life of mutual friendship and service, individuals barricade themselves from others. It is the hellish weariness and boredom of a life focused entirely on itself. Hell is not an arbitrary divine punishment at the end of history. It is not the final retaliation of a vindictive deity. Hell is self-destructive resistance to the eternal love of God. God ever seeks to lead us out of the hell of our self-glorification and lovelessness. But neither in time nor in eternity is God's love corrissive. Think about it this way. Heaven is eternity spent with God fully as you were created to be. In relationship, in community with others who are now fully who God created them to be. Hell is an eternity spent without God as a mere shadow of who you were created to be. In isolation from anyone else. Hell is lonely despair. The great evangelist Dr. Leighton Ford wrote, The horror of hell is not physical pain. Hell is the eternal loss of being a real person. And hell, the mathematician who only lived for his science, can't add two and two. The concert pianist who worshipped herself through her art can't play a simple scale. The man who lived for sex goes on in eternal lust with no physical body to exploit. The woman who made a god out of fashion has a thousand dresses but no mirror. Hell is eternal desire, eternally unfulfilled. How many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis? The great Christian writer, Anglican Christian writer of the last century. Here's how Lewis puts it. Hell begins with a grumbling mood. Always complaining, always blaming others. But you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it. But there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It is not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Is hell for real? The Christian faith says, yes! Now while in the end God judges, while in the end there is mystery about life after death, and while in the end we may pray and hope to be surprised by God's generosity, there has to at least be the possibility of hell, the possibility of rejecting God. Otherwise, God assaults us. He forces people to choose Him. That's not relationship. That's coercion. Remember, hell is something we choose. Hell is something we embrace. Hell is something we become unless it is nipped 
in the bud. St. Catherine of Siena, the great Dominican saint of the 14th century, talks how we actually start to experience heaven and hell now. She says, if we choose sin, we receive the down payment of, and so actually begin to taste hell. And then she says in another place, if we choose virtue, we begin even now to experience heaven in the life of grace. Now, there are other reasons for considering that hell is for real. There are other reasons for arguing the possibility or the logic of hell's existence. But we really don't have time in a short sermon to get into those. But one of them, and I'll just hint at it, is God's concern for justice. If there was no hell, not only would God have robbed us of free will, but God will also have shown himself indifferent to suffering and justice. Do whatever you want. I don't care. I'll let you think on that one a little bit more. But the question that knocks at the door of your life and mine when it comes to the topic of heaven and hell is, are you walking toward heaven or are you walking toward hell? Today's Gospel reading is most famous for verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is where the path of heaven is made sure, through Christ. Now sadly, sadly, tragically, Christians have often reduced this verse, and the whole reality is of heaven and hell and all the mystery, to one of fire insurance. You know, they'll say things like, pray this prayer and you'll receive everlasting life. Give yourself to Jesus and you will spare yourself everlasting torment. Well, okay. Praying to prayer to ex- praying a prayer to accept Jesus as one's Lord and Savior is a fine thing. And it may be something that you need to do. Because even though you've been in church all these years, you have never made that commitment. But such a prayer should not be understood as a magic formula or spiritual insurance policy. No, such a prayer marks the receiving of a gift. The beginning of a journey, a way of life. Such a prayer marks a saving moment, which should lead to a saving lifestyle. Otherwise, it's sort of a joke, it's a farce, it's a laughing at God in a way that's not really funny. As my sister of Catherine of Siena said, all the way to heaven is heaven. One of the reasons that your life and mine as Christians is supposed to be, supposed to be, supposed to be so radically different, so radically full of grace and beauty and truth and love is because as Christians we are supposed to be living with one foot here on earth and one foot in heaven. That's the Christian life. Is this you? Are you living with one foot in heaven and one foot on earth? Or have you missed the point of faith even after all these years of sitting in these pews? Yes, hell is for real. You can begin to taste it now. Just as you can begin to taste heaven now. And it's not enough for us just to delight in the taste of heaven. While others are perishing in hells of all kinds. Christ's mission involves putting hell out of business. And you and I as disciples of Jesus are to share in that mission. 
rejoice. Yes, that heaven begins now. But with Christ, labor hard that others may not perish in that place, that state, that spiritual condition called hell. It's fatal. Blessedly, the way, the truth, and the life of Christ provides an antidote that you and I can receive and that you and I can share, sparing others' torments now and torments everlasting. Amen.